Hey, I'm Jerry Springer. I'm Gene Galvin. And we're the Elevator Comics. We perform in some of the best elevators in the country, telling eye-watering jokes in as few as two floors. But we want to entertain a car full of conventioneers stuck on the 14th floor for 40 minutes. Call your favorite hotel and tell them that you want the Elevator Comics on your next ride. We're the hottest new act in the laughing world. I seen Springer and Galvin in a hotel elevator in Jackson, Mississippi, and they was hilarious. Best two-floor ride of my life. Hey, Jerry, what were you saying to that guy in the lobby? He was telling me you just bought the best hearing aid money can buy. I said, yeah, what kind is it? He said, four o'clock. The elevator comments were fast, topical, and usually family-friendly. But when the sun goes down, so do we. Our sizzling adult set starts nightly at 9. The Elevator Comics. You'll never take the stairs again. Guy says to me the other day on one of the rides, ballroom, please. I said, sorry, I didn't know I was crowding you. (laughs) Okay, sixth floor, folks. Enjoy your stay and call the front desk if you need extra towels. Watch your step getting off. We've got to pay the insurance bill. Elevator Comics are brought to you by Up and Down Productions. Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, starring Jerry Springer with Gene Galvin and me. I am Maria Corelli. We are recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience here in Folk School Coffee Parlor of Ludlow, Kentucky. All right, everybody rise. Judge Jerry Springer. Thank you. You may be seated. You may be seated. We say that to... Uh, partner up with your company that's producing the new Judge Jerry show, which yes. comes out in the fall. In the fall, yes. And uh, we're all excited about that, and we respect that. And we're all, <laughs> Maria and I, Maria, by the way, is our singer-songwriter third voice, and she's out performing tonight. So uh, I'm going to, that's why I took her place in uh, uh, doing the, the opening announcements, we call it. Maria and I are trying to figure out what's in it for us, you know, wh- wh- whether we can get luck up and get jobs at that show, but so far, I haven't heard from anybody. Oh, you want to know what's in it for you? Yes. <laughs> Nothing. I hear you. Um, hey, I wanted to ask you a couple things, and we have uh, Palomar on. Palomar was on last week, by the way. He's actually- Wonderful. And we've asked him to come back and uh, do a set tonight. He's going to do one of his original songs. We're going to chat with him. Uh, and uh, also, we're going to ask you to talk about the Coast Guardsman who found himself in some pretty serious trouble over uh, a white supremacy philosophy. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, you and I and our wives went to New York a couple weekends ago, and we, and that commercial that we just ran, promotes our side business to make a little walking around money. The elevator comics. The elevator comics. We should explain what that is to people. Yeah, people get on elevators, Jerry, as we both know, and they ride two floors, three floors. They might be in a nice hotel. You always stay. I know when we go to New York, I'm always on the lower floors. You're way the hell up there somewhere. Some big-ass suite or something. I wasn't even aware that you got into (laughs) the hotel. The same hotel, right. But... So you ride yeah. down, you ride 10 floors. Yeah. You come down 10 floors because you're at the top of this That's where they have the suites. The suites are up yeah. there. So when you're on the elevator, and yeah. this is what we figured out, it, it's boring to yeah, sit on the elevator. People always staring at the floor Something. numbers above floor the door. Floor numbers, or maybe there's a mirror. No one says a word. Nobody says, it's boring They just as all hell. stand there, right. 
So we came up with this idea that we would put a little light focused on the corner of the elevator. You and I would be over there tucked in the corner, and we would do a stand-up routine. Yeah, but the they way— They would last the length of the time you're on the floor. So different audience members would hear different parts of our set. But it happened call. organically, and this is the truth. It, we got on a crowded elevator in the Ritz Hotel in New York. That's right. Real nice hotel right there on Park Avenue, yeah. right? And you're standing in the back of the elevator. Yep. We hadn't planned anything. This was just you getting on. You know how you crowd on. And I was in the front part of the elevator. People are kind of looking at you like, he looks familiar. And some are going, I think it's and, Jerry uh, You're way in the back. And suddenly yeah. I said say, to you, hey, Jerry, that's all you talking to that old guy out there. What was that all about? Yeah, he's talk- telling me about his new hearing aid. He says, it's the best money you can buy. I said, yeah, what kind is it? He said, four o'clock. And we got laughs. <laughs> and we got laughs. So, and, uh, so a star was born. And, and we people think, what started, the and then once that happened, then you gave me another line, and we just yeah. kept telling yeah. jokes. And that's when we got the idea of let's be the elevator right. comics. And so uh, I repped us, and I started calling uh, uh, hotels all across the country, and we were we started <laughs> off playing some pretty big hotels, and it really didn't kind of play out the way the vision developed in our heads. It's hard to monetize. And we lost it. some contracts. It was hard to monetize. <laughs> we lost some contracts and then we were in places like Spokane and Dubuque and we were in, you know, little hotels and it got junkier well, and junkier. that's it. You can't go. We lost go. all the contracts. You can't go in a two or three story hotel because the elevator ride isn't long enough. Turns I can't out. do any more than one liners. Yeah. Turns out it was a, kind of a bad idea but we still, uh, a couple of weekends ago, we, we started busking. And for people who don't know what that is, you know, you open your guitar case and you play and people toss in a buck or two into the case. So we put a little tip jar in the corner of the and elevator. we started doing what we call rogue busking. You know, get in and get out before the security people at the hotel say something. And so we did it. And we made a few bucks, but we started to get heckled. And there was this guy that he heckled This us. is true. We started with the joke, and then when the joke was over, there was like dead silence, and then the guy went, <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. But his... <laughs> Excuse me? Well, it was worse. His girlfriend was like on her phone the whole time. She well, didn't see, laugh at all. She's like on well, her phone. Well, she's on her phone. If she would have heard it, she would have been just ah, up in nah, I, so I felt, I felt disrespect. Hey, uh... Get used to it. The, yeah, I hear you. Uh... RockJerry'sFace.com is freaking out of it, control. It has a life of its own. YouTube <laughs> commercials are running. It is, uh, there's rumors that billboards are coming up. Rock Jerry's Face. And so there is this website, RockJerry'sFace.com. You go there, you sign the petition to get Jerry's Face as the fifth face of an American leader on Mount Rushmore. And so it is happening whether we like it or not, want it or not. It's out of control. I don't think we can stop it. So you oh, and I you then started. You so we, <laughs> no, I don't think we can. So we were uh, sitting in a cigar shop in New York. It's yeah. got to be illegal as hell, smoking cigars in the middle of a Friday afternoon Yeah. in a place where anybody who goes in there is definitely dead in 10 years yeah, of lung cancer. Because, I mean, it's, You walk in there, it's like... Oh, if no. you, well, you oh, can't see anybody. You can't see around. No, but then when cool. you open the door, it's like smoke signals. You yeah, can, it is. Oh, no. <laughs> Because smoke comes pouring. You can tell when you've got a new pope. You go. That's just good, Jerry. Open the good. door. Good. That's Adler, too. Yeah. That's Adler. Three times. Yeah. 
and uh, smoke anyway, comes pouring out. Yeah. So we're in there talking, and and we start to like really get our brains around Rock Jerry's face, putting Jerry's face on Rushmore, and we realize you were telling me that there is a wax figure of you somewhere. Where is there a wax figure of you, um, Madam something? Madam Tussauds, yeah. And where is that? In Vegas, and there were. It, and I think it's clearly in Vegas, and I think it's all. I think also in New York, or maybe right. L.A. So there is a yeah. wax likeness of you, yeah, in that museum. They'll that call is it true. a museum. That's not joking, right? Yeah. So you tell me when we were smoking cigars that they the only way they can do this properly is you had to sit for that. Yes. So you that, went in in a whatever you wore, coat and tie. This or, was about fifteen years ago, 10, 15 years ago, when our show was really. Going big. The fir- your first TV show. Yeah. Crazy show, is yeah. what I call it. And uh, they take it very seriously, Madame Tussaud. So you, they show up, and you've got to give them like four or five hours, and they measure everything. Your nostrils, your hair, the, your earlobe. They get everything. They have more measurements, and you're standing there, and then they give you a break. You go back, and they really get you. And then, I don't know, three, four months later, they brought it through Chicago where we were doing the show, and they brought it into my office. I wasn't in the office at the time. And you walk in, and we had it so that it wasn't facing the door. It was, you just saw my back. Yeah. And it has human hair made like mine, and then it, um, wearing my a suit that I would normally wear. Yep. So people would come in and they'd start talking to me because, you know. Yeah. It's really effective. It doesn't look like me anymore because I'm 15 years older. But I'm telling you, they have the exact glasses. They have wow. everything exactly the same. The hand where you have, you know, little marks on it and everything. It was frightening. I now know what I'm going to look like dead. Yeah. And I'm a wax ball. figure. But dead and standing. But now, because of the heat, I'm starting to sag there, too. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Because you start melting. Yeah, you say... And I've got jowls now. I had no jowls when this started. You're saying it's what you would look like when you're dead. Yeah, if they had you standing up with a pole up your ass or something. But here's the thing. But here's the thing. Or Czechoslovakia. Or Czech... Yeah. But boom, boom, hey, <laughs> elevator comics, we're in every, we're in the best hotels. I'm sure to try the veal. Try the elevator <laughs> comics. <laughs> hey, but here's what I want to ask you. So, so, th- this is out yeah. of control. It's yes. going to happen. Your head's going on Rushmore because like, we can't good. stop it. We can't stop it. So, look, <laughs> it, we figured out that yeah. you're going to have to, quote, unquote, sit for this. So the way I figured this out, because I, I, do, I do my due diligence. I'm the executive producer. I'm not a producer. I'm the executive producer. Yeah. Well, so I figured out that the only that. way we can do this, and this is Maria Corelli will be back for our next show, and she's going to be key to this because Maria Corelli is a rock climber. So she does rappelling, and you know she's got all the gear, the harnesses, this and that, and the ropes. So you're going to have to be on the side of Ru- Mount Rushmore I'd in have a harness. To hang? Yes, for days, because they, they, they're up there, the, chi- the artisans, the, the rock artisans are up there with chisels. What? <laughs> and they're up there, just like the Madame Tussauds. They're, they're looking at you, and they're chiseling this. Or come, they're swinging over, and they'll do some measurements, and then they'll swing back. 
And Maria's role will be there to help you, to calm you. I've asked Maria. She's agreed to do I'm gonna it. I'm going to hang there for hours at a time? You got to. You got to. you got to, Jerry. For Christ's sake, you're going to be up there with Lincoln and What about Jefferson. my for my sake? No, no. No, this is <laughs> Let's history. not do this. You can't stand in the way of history. Maria's going to be up there with a guitar. She's going to be playing some music for you. She'll go up and get lunch. She'll rappel back down with lunch. But that's how this plays out. When you started this, you didn't think this through. <laughs> I didn't, didn't think this through. <laughs> no, it's it's going to be horrible. Oh, it's going to be great. We have to put a stop before this gets out of oh, here. I, don't, I, I wish we could. I wish we could, but I don't think we can. <laughs> I mean, you let it go too far. Uh, I want to ask you one last thing. So we're Just in New York. Picture me hanging. Heck in picture, <laughs> yeah, freaking out, <laughs> urinating all over yourself. Oh, it'd be what would be happening. But, it, could, it could have been the rain. And you have to have like pilots use and backpackers use in their tents. We call it a, a pee jar. That's what you have to have. Up well, what? But we're not bringing you down to take a leak. What do you think you're going to lower? You're going to go over the restroom well, and wait not a second. rush more? What did they do with Jefferson? He wasn't alive when they did that. Well, they got his wax figure, I guess, from the museum. <laughs> <laughs> Worked off of that with a pole up his ass, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, on this uh, trip to New York with our wives, it's pathetic. Every year, gotta be going on 20 years, you drag your wife, me and my wife, to Kew Gardens in New York where you yep. grew up. Yep. And we go to your old home, uh, an apartment, now a condo. Roger Williams. We go to the apartment It's house. very cool, by the way. Yeah. And, then, and then we went down to the train station, which is, what, uh, 200 yards from the front door of yeah. your apartment Garden, The Long Island Railroad Station. And That's we right saw there, there at that Long oh, Island right. station, we saw a plaque of Rodney Dangerfield. Beautiful brass plaque, nicely done. Yeah. With his bio... And they referenced that he went to PS99, PS my elementary school. school. He went to my school. He lived across the street from me. Now, I wasn't, not at the same time. He, How he what kind of year difference was yeah, it? Uh, 10, 15 he was years? about 15, 20 years older than me. So yeah, if you're class of yeah. high school 61, he was older. class of 50 or yeah, 40 was, something yeah, or whatever. Right. But they have his... But he went to PS99, yeah. 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 And he became a friend of yours over the years. Over the years, yeah. In yeah. fact, on a serious note, his wife, when he passed away, asked me to speak at the funeral. Well, that's significant. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't able to, but it was kind of a shock because I had known him, and but it wasn't like we were really close or we were lived near each other or anything like that. It was really kind of out of the blue, and I felt awkward because... You know, you'd want people who were part of his family, who sure. were very close, et cetera. But he was, he was a fan of the TV show, and we had him one day as a surprise on one of my birthdays come to be on the show. Fantastic. I said, he's let's bring out my next guest, and there was Rodney. That's hilarious. So that was kind of cool. And he's very entertaining. Was oh, very he was great. But may yeah. I ask you a question? Yes. How in the freaking hell could Rodney Dangerfield at the Long Island Station have a brass plaque commemorating him, and there's a movement to put you on Rushmore, and there's no plaque right next to his. You have to choose. You say you can have a plaque at the Long Island Railroad Station, or you can be on Mount Rushmore. I chose Rushmore. Rushmore. <laughs> Rodney, who got no respect, <laughs> yeah, is at the no Long Island Railroad Station. That's what happened. Fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, uh, on a serious note, there is a Coast Guardsman about a week ago or so 
who broke into onto the national scene in a way that I'm sure he didn't like, but uh, he was outed for having some white supremacist views. What's your take on this yeah, whole situation? Worse than that, uh, he was arrested uh, because he had plans, which they found in his, I guess, room or in his place where he, you know, resided. Uh, he had plans to assassinate a whole bunch of liberal members of the United States Senate. He had their names. I'm not going to go through all their names, but these are United States senators that you know, about 12, 15 Democrat, liberal United States senators from the top on down, and Congress uh, people, and uh, to assassinate them, to assassinate liberal journalists, to assassinate the hosts of, uh, the evening hosts of MSNBC, uh, to assassinate Jews and to create widespread terror. He had the plans all written out. He got the addresses where these people lived, and he had a arsenal of weapons. Uh, and he was going to try to eliminate a, a section of our government. And uh, he was a white supremacist with all the white supremacist uh, kind of literature and sayings and uh, his writings, etc. A real, total wacko, but wow, this is getting scary. You know, we talk about how the country is so divided, and, you know, 99% of Americans keep that at least to the level of discourse. We may get angry with each other with our opposing political views, but we keep it philosophical and conversational, or, you know, at worst, maybe you yell at someone, but... We don't, we don't resort to violence. When this horrible thing happened, for days, incredibly, the President of the United States said, zilch, bupkis, nothing. He said nothing. He tweets about everything. He tweets about football players. He tweets... Uh, the only tweet he finally came out with, well, that he first came out with was, the media is the enemy. And you say, whoa, that's throwing gasoline on the fire. There are crazy people out there that take the tweets seriously. You know, most people realize it's, it's a stupid tweet and whatever, you agree, don't agree, but whatever, you, you don't do anything about it. But there's some wackos out there that take what are in these tweets, take these statements, and figure, yeah, he's right. I'm going to do something about it. And they go out and they shoot people. They throw bombs. They kill people. That's the power of these words. And so a couple of days later in what they call these press gaggles, you know, where he's in his office and... There are a whole bunch of reporters just hanging around after photo op, and they shout questions at him. And they said, Mr. President, in light of what happened, you haven't said anything about this. Do you feel that your words over the years, over these last two years and during the campaign, have contributed to this rise in violence? And he said, quote, no, my words are nice. No, my words are nice. And then he goes off to another question. 
And let's now jump to a couple of nights ago, a couple of nights ago in terms of when we're recording this. It was the night of the Academy Awards. Spike Lee won for his movie Black Klansman, the best adaptation of a screenplay. And uh, he won the award, and he gets up there, and he gives a, a short speech, and I'm going to read it because it'll have significance to what I'm then going to say. So he says, 400 years ago, our ancestors were stolen from Mother Africa and brought to Jamestown. Our ancestors worked the land from can't see in the morning to can't see at night. I give praise to our ancestors who have built this country into what it is today, along with the genocide of its native people. We all connect with our ancestors. We will regain our humanity. It will be a powerful moment. The 2020 presidential election is around the corner. Let's all mobilize. Let's all be on the right side of history. Make the moral choice between love versus hate. Let's do the right thing. And everybody, yes, and everybody stood up at the, as you saw at the, on the night of the Oscars, and they all cheered. Eight hours later, Trump tweets accusing him of racism. He says, that was a racist speech. And, did you, and then Trump says, and did you notice how he had to read it? He couldn't just say it? This, of course, from teleprompter Trump. <laughs> but here again, not understanding the moment, not understanding how, wow, who can disagree what rational person would disagree with that speech? This is a great moral moment. Let's be on the right side of history. Let's bring ourselves together. We have had a racist past. Let's, let's improve. Let's improve. What the, he didn't even mention Trump's name. If he's so good on the issue of race, then he might think that people would vote for him. Just do the right thing. His words are nice. Look at what he says at rallies. When somebody hits up on the media or something like that, or jumps on the stand where the media are, you know, he says, turn around, there they are. They're the enemy of the people. If somebody slugs someone in the audience, he says, I'll pay for your defense. Mexicans are rapists. Ban the Muslims. Blacks have low IQ. You notice whenever he, he says something bad about a, an African-American congresswoman or man or whenever or an athlete low iq notice he never says that about a white person whenever he's attacking a black person it's always oh, it has low iq his words matter we have had in the last year 17 percent hike in hate crimes the killings in the black church the shootings at the synagogue in pennsylvania Charlottesville, the KKK and Nazis, nice people on both sides. Of course, most people don't respond to his, his words, his tweets um, with violence. They say that's just Trump, he's crazy. But crazy people sometimes do. The white ex supremacists, they do. It lights them up. It gives them cover. What kind of warning do we need? This has to stop. And now, within the last week on talk radio, whether it's Rush Limbaugh 
or Laura Ingram. They're talking about a civil war. Those are the words they use. We're now in a civil war. Ken Vogel, reporter for the New York Times, excellent reporter, he played this voicemail that he received. I'm quoting, this is the voicemail, word for word. He played it in the public so everyone could hear it. The guy says on his voicemail, I mean, let's face it, okay? Hillary lost. You supported a criminal. You still support that criminal. You're the problem. You are the enemy of the people. And although the pen might be mightier than the sword, the pen is not mightier than the AK-47. Boom. Hangs up. This to a reporter. Joe Joe de Geneva. You've probably seen him when he's on Fox News. For a few weeks, he was either part of the Trump defense team. He was hired as his lawyer. uh, But he's a spokesman supporting Trump. Fine. He supports Trump. He gave an interview again taped, when he says the civil war is coming and liberals are the enemy. And he said this. He was asked then, well, what do you do in this civil war? What do you do about the liberals gaining so much strength in this country? Here was his quote. This was last week. I vote, I buy guns. I vote. I buy guns. This is now on network cable news. This is, and these are people that are there to comment. It's not like they just got a wacko out on the street or got arrested and there's a mugshot of him. These are the people that come on the air that either have their own shows or are commentators, the talking heads you see on cable news. And they say, I vote. And I buy guns? So this is what it's come to. Spike Lee pleads with us, in 2020, make the moral choice. And I would argue that to save the idea America, it's the only choice. Before we bring, or as we bring Palomara up, I want to say something. We've been doing this show now for about three years, and that commentary you just did was powerful. That was good, quoting all those people, bringing up, drawing it all into focus. And I'm, I'm proud to be your podcast partner, and it shows that, well, maybe they just get tired of doing it after three years and start phoning it in, and that proves that's not the case. So good job, Jerry Springer. All right, Palomara. We're glad to have him back. <laughs> to give you a reference, he was on last week, too, and this show has passed, but he was part of the Longworth-Anderson series, and I want to draw continue to draw attention to that because I think it's a very cool thing for anybody that's in the greater Cincinnati area. We call it the tri-state area where Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana all come together. And people from all three of those states, the corners of those states, come to things that are in Cincinnati if it's worthy of drawing a crowd. And a lot of stuff uh, is. And Memorial Hall was the venue for that. 
And I want to ask you one quick thing about the Longworth-Anderson series, which I know you're not part of. You were brought in by them to open for the milk carton kids. So what I want to ask you is people can find that pretty easily, one assumes, with Google, for example, right? So if you want to know more about it, they can simply Google that and learn more because you mentioned last week it's a multi-genre music series, that was a folky kind of night then, but they might do the different stuff, uh, hip-hop, rap, or uh, rock, or whatever, punk, et cetera. Do I have that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, wanted to represent them properly. Yeah. Uh, want to ask you to do a song, and uh, then we'll talk a little bit on the other side of it. What are you going to do? Sure. This is a song called Fortuna. It's off my new record. Okay. Myself in something strange and false. I found myself in hope and love. Long I've been sold on following the good path. Only to learn. It's not enough Fortuna Give and take what you will Wheel the wall You leave me standing still I lost my voice Across a commotion Called out in vain But nothing came Left it behind And turned toward a new light Once and again Schemes. So 
That's Palomaro. That's, that's very good songwriting. We, Thank we, you. We really appreciate you being here. Uh, people can hear you where? Uh, yeah, they can find my music on Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, Amazon, you name it. Digital. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll find out in about two minutes on that. Yeah. Hey, uh, yeah. are you, uh, now again, our audience is all over the country, but we do have plenty of people who listen in this uh, tri-state area. Do you have any performances coming up you want to mention uh, in the near future? I don't at the moment, but it's a good bet I'll probably be playing at the Listing Loon in Cincinnati sometime soon. Okay, <laughs> so stay in touch with us, and we'll yeah. put the word out for you uh, as, as dates uh, get scheduled. For sure. Uh, can you take us out on uh, Down by the Riverside, and Jerry will join in on the second verse. You got it. It sounds yeah. good. Palomar. I'm going to shake hands with everyone. Down by the riverside, down by the riverside, down by the riverside. I'm gonna shake hands with everyone. Down by the riverside. You've been listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. More, no more. I ain't gonna study war no more. I ain't gonna study war no more. I ain't gonna study war no more. Jerry Springer. Gonna lay down my sword and shield down by the riverside. Down by the riverside, down by the riverside, I gonna lay down my sword and shield. Down by the riverside, down by the riverside, I ain't gonna study war no more. I ain't gonna study war no more. I ain't gonna study. Study war no more. I ain't gonna study war.